What's up, Super Nintendos? This is episode 650 of Nintendo Voice Chat, and today we have a very special guest live from Kyoto. Well, not live, pre-taped from Kyoto, Japan. Uh, on this, the 30th year anniversary of Star Fox, we have one of the original programmers, Giles Goddard. Giles, thank you so much Hi. for joining us. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. A bit cold. Excellent. Uh, I wanted to get right into it from the beginning. So can you tell us a little bit about the Spectrum ZX, the ZX rather? Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was Sinclair's sort of color version of their ZX81, which was like a very basic um, black and white home homemade thing. You say you bought the kit and you made it yourself kind of thing. Uh, and it was, a, it was very limited. So they sort of, they made a super advanced version, which was color, it had sound, it had you plugged it straight into the TV. It was really, you know, really easy to use. You didn't have to build it. And I just got it for Christmas, basically, one year. And, I was and like how old were you when you got that? Six or seven. <laughs> wow. And so you started programming then right away, or were there cartridges or pre-programmed? Yeah, no. It, you could... The way it used to work is you'd, you'd buy a magazine uh, about the Spectrum, and it would have a game in it, but you'd have to type out the game. Um, <laughs> and it would never work because there'd be a typo in there or something. So you'd have to go try and figure out what was broken, why it didn't work. Um, and that's how I guess I started programming, by fixing bugs in magazine games. <laughs> so you'd have to do QA in addition QA to, to the programming the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this was, uh, like I'm, I'm assuming, basic? Or were you doing like assembly language? or that? So that would have been basic. OK. Um, um, and then, yeah, you moved on to uh, the Amiga and the demo scene, and I don't think a lot of people uh, are really familiar with the demo scene. So, could you explain really? uh, what that is? Wow. Well, I think I think uh, a lot of younger people, I should say, aren't really familiar mm. with the demo scene, and I'm I'm fascinated by it. So, I'd love to hear you uh, sort of give your explanation. Yeah, I don't know what why it came about. Uh, it was it was like sort of graffiti almost um you know you'd have your your intros um that usually they'd be put onto the, the start of cracked games um so you you know if you if you there was a lot of sort of swapping cracked games cracked games which is you know games that have been hacked so they don't need any protection anymore and then they used to put an intro uh sort of showing who cracked the game at the start of the game um and i guess that it just went from there they basically they, they moved on from that and they just started sharing the demos rather than the demos plus the game did you uh have like a like an alias when you were in the demo scene i did are you yeah, at liberty to share that or no no, no. <laughs> can't, can't share it that's fine we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna push you to share anything that you're not comfortable with but um <laughs> All of that work, uh, so you moved from uh, well, like a Z80 uh, CPU to, I, I'm blanking on what the Amiga is, but did just moving around uh, those different sort of architectures, did that uh, ready you for the work that you would eventually start doing at Nintendo? Because the, the Super FX chip was sort of built to work around the Super Nintendo, or rather, you know, it. I, I think I read that the, the Super Nintendo was the box that held the Super FX chip. And would you say that all of your, yeah, yeah. your sort of demoing experience helped with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, when you made a demo, you'd always write it in assembler. So you'd have to go real bare metal, uh, start from scratch every time. And that's how you, got, you get the performance out. But, you know, so you going from Z80 on the Spectrum and then a, a 6800 um, CPU on, a, on an Amiga. They're very, very different CPUs. So yeah, that gave me like a really good insight on to how you know different CPUs worked. And then we went on to obviously with the Mario chip, the FX chip, that used a risk instruction set, which is another different type of um, you know CPU. So yeah, we I had a quite a good experience by that time. Yeah, you also uh, um, you worked on the uh, the Macintosh SE, if I'm correct. Mm, yeah, that was porting uh, Starglider to to the ST, uh, which wasn't very enjoyable. 
<laughs> what made it what made it so unenjoyable oh hang on no uh, no i i bought the mac to the mac version i did a different thing for it for the sd but yeah i mean the i, I don't know it, it felt like a not very good amiga the atari st okay it was mainly used for uh music because it had uh extremely um reliable irqs which are timers that can fire at very specific points in time um that's why a lot of musicians used it because it was always perfectly on time oh interesting apart from and that, it wasn't very good okay <laughs> you've dipped your toes into sound design right mm. yeah my brother was a uh a sound producer a sound engineer so we used to do a lot of stuff together oh very cool all right um could you tell us uh, a little bit about the office you're what 19 18 19 when you get to mm. nintendo could you tell us about the office that uh, you nintendo. were in at nintendo uh very very bland just it was like a back room uh so the way the offices the old offices used to work was the ead was on one floor huge floor very open plan um and at the back there was a sort of a small room and we were just shoved in there away from everything else because i don't think we weren't really allowed to see what what was going on in the other the main room so yeah we were separated out and you described it as uh being something like a factory at one point yeah yeah i mean it's a very traditional japanese type office i guess from you know typical 80s office i guess i think sure. now it's slightly slightly more sort of modern but yeah back then it was really really um basic and what year um, was this? 89, 90, that kind of time. Okay. I think. Can you tell us about like the first day you touched down in Japan? Do you, do you remember? Or was it like a whirlwind? Yeah, they, I think they came to pick us up at the airport. Um, we didn't have a clue what we were supposed to do or where to go or anything. And there was no English anywhere. It was all Japanese. Very few foreigners, very few very little support for foreigners they just there was no tourists back then you know no foreign tourists so um yeah it was, it was quite overwhelming all right um you worked pretty closely with mr miyamoto for a, a long time did you learn any sort of game design lessons from being that close and working with him for for so long yeah for sure i think we, we all did um just through working with him every day I mean, there was, you know, he didn't sort of sit down and teach us. It was just, we got to know how to sort of, what went into, into like a, a Nintendo game kind of thing. You know, what, what made mm. the Nintendo game a Nintendo game? We, we learned a lot about how they work and all that sort of stuff. There he oh, is. there's Mr. Miyamoto there on the screen about uh, era appropriate <laughs> even. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's he the also... office. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, it looks a little... I mean, That's there's a few pieces of well, flair. Okay. Well, I'm glad we could uh, bring you back to the, to these good memories. But uh, I think it's pretty famous, famously known that your office was also the was it the one place in the building where people could smoke cigarettes? No, they were smoking. There's there's going to be somebody smoking in one of those desks. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was what it was like until. Quite recently, actually, I guess, you know, mid nineties. That's when they stopped doing that. And Mr. Miyamoto would come in to your office though, and just like light up a smoke and start talking to you. Yeah, but I think I think I was smoking. Uh, Krista <laughs> was smoking. I don't think Dylan smoked, but yeah, we were all smoking. <laughs> that, that kind of time. So it's like a hacker den kind of vibe. Just oh yeah, yeah. Going. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Did you have any sort of like? unexpected challenges i mean i'm sure you, i should say can you describe any unexpected challenges in developing the the engine of Star Fox uh that came up and like how how you got around those limitations i mean i remember seeing Star Fox at the time and just it i was probably 16 or 17 and it just absolutely blew my mind i'd never seen anything like it and it didn't seem possible that it could be running on a mm. super nintendo and i imagine that had to have come with a, a fair amount of headaches uh yeah quite a bit i mean because we were we were you know we were making the chip while making the game so the chip had bugs our game had bugs you didn't really know which whether it was a hardware bug or a software bug or 
or whatever. Um, so that, that was it. That was a big challenge. Just getting base, the basics running half the time. And also, there were, there were no tools, so we had to build all the tools to make the game. So things like compilers and linkers and and stuff like that. We all had to and IDEs. There were no IDEs, so we made made an ID. Um, so everything was started from scratch. So that was that was a challenge. Um, it's not not like today where you know you have Unity and Unreal where everything's sort of set up. You just go in and make a game. Back then, it was you start from scratch, literally. Um, that was definitely challenging. What were the the development kits like? Were were there even development kits, or was it just like no, a? We didn't, we didn't have dev kits. They were we used uh, off the shelf PCs running DeskView, which was an old OS um, plugged into Super Famicom's uh, with sort of Mario chip, Super FX chip. Uh, what do they call breadboards plugged into the cartridge slot we download them onto that so just all sort of bodged together and oh yeah yeah. everything was bodged together that's incredible i I was i was in the days before dev kits altogether so yeah so basically like if you a dev kit was just something that you had to build yourself yeah Yeah, Um, when you worked on the super nintendo or excuse me the uh the n64 though that was like sgi right that was our silicon oh yeah that works that was uh yeah yeah uh, for that, we had all sorts. We had emulators running on Onyx machines and stuff like that. That was a different league altogether. Very cool. Um, I was hoping you could answer a qu- uh, question I wanted to ask about a, a bicycle ride. I was doing some research, and there was a, like a, apparently a bicycle ride where you had some top secret documents that uh, yeah. got away from you. I was yeah. hoping you could give us a little background into that. Uh, yeah, I think there were Star Fox design documents that we took home for the weekend to look over. Me and Dylan. Dylan, for some reason, didn't have a bike, so he was standing on the back of mine. We were a little bit... We may have had a, a few drinks beforehand. Um, we went across a big... The biggest crossing in Kyoto. Uh, and we just fell over. And everything just came out of the basket, floating around. And then the lights changed, and all the cars were sort of doing that. We were trying to... <laughs> run around, pick up the pieces. Um, and Nintendo told us, you know, make sure you, you don't lose these documents. They're highly top secret. Um, don't show them to anybody. Don't, you know, don't lose them. Um, we managed to do most of that. <laughs> you know. Was there a, a feeling like, oh, God, the jig is up, like this is it? Or, I mean, was it just... Well, we did, if... we did wonder if, we'd, if uh, you know, we'd, we'd uh, be back at work the next day or the next yeah. day. Well, I'm glad you were able to to get those all together. Um, so, uh, you, you talked earlier about how you know how white and stark that uh, did that like hinder your creativity? Did you ever did it ever feel sort of stifling, or was it just like you were so focused on the task at hand that it didn't actually affect you that you, much? When you're when you're making it's it's like any anything that you're concentrating on. When when you're making it, you're you block out everything anyway. You know, because you're so focused on what you're doing. So you could be anywhere. You could be in any kind of room. It doesn't really make much difference. Um, but I, th- I think in Nintendo's case, because the offices were quite bland, people did put all their creativity into the games rather than sort of making an office look really nice and whatever. I think oh, that, that was one of the reasons. Okay. Uh, you worked alongside of some of sort of, I guess, like legends of of Nintendo. Uh, did you was there a sense at the time, like when you were working with Mr. Miyamoto or when you were working with uh, Mr. Wada, did you sort of have a sense that of, of who they were? Because you know, game development in back then wasn't exactly nobody knew who developed a game. Was there a sense that these sort of people were larger than life, or, or is that, or they yeah, were just like not, the normal guys not, you worked with? Not at all. I mean, you can you can see in that video that Miyamoto San he has a desk like everybody else. Was, you know, I think it was slightly bigger at some point. Um, but yeah, he's he's the same as everybody else there. You know, there was no, and he wasn't really that famous at that point. You know, now he's a big sort of superstar. But, but um, you know, at that <laughs> point, I don't think you know nobody in Kyoto really knew who he was. Oh wow! Do you still keep in touch with Mr. Miyamoto? Very occasionally. Very occasionally. Yeah. I think it's really cool. Too busy for that. Yeah. <laughs> Did you tell us about uh, working with Mr. Iwata? 
yeah, so I only worked with him, uh, you know, briefly when we were doing the N64 because he, he was still at HAL um, and we went over to SGI once or twice to, you know, work with SGI, you know, to try and figure out what kind of chip we were going to make. Um, but yeah, he was, you know, very, very, uh, what's the word? Work orientated. He had a very good work mm. ethic. It was very, very little parting, lots of work. All right. Uh, on the, there's an episode of Game Center CX where with Awada on it, and Areno says, after shaking his hand, he says he has the softest hands he's ever felt. I'm wondering if you can co corroborate that. I don't think I've ever touched his hands, but I can probably imagine it. He was a very, very, <laughs> very soft, soft kind of guy. He, yeah, he definitely seemed that way. Um, I was also reading, actually, on the topic of Awada, I was reading an Awada Asks with you and talking about Star Fox, and Imamura said that they, the whole team was just so amazed by your camera work on, on Star mm. Fox. And you were, you know, just a kid at the time. Did that sort of praise, did it, like, go to your head, or how did it affect you, you know, being so young and sort of, uh, like, this wunderkind? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really... I don't really sort of think about when people say, oh, that's really, really cool. I, I usually take it with a huge pinch of salt. I'm not, I don't think that they're lying. It's just that I'm never happy with what I've done. You know what I mean? So they, mm. they may think it's great, but I still think, oh, I could have done this and that to make it better kind of thing. I'm, I'm never, oh. never really one to sort of, sort of bask in my praise. Whatever. Right. Yeah. So like you, you can only see the things that you, oh, that you see the wrong things. Yeah, oh, it's like when you yeah, when you I... release a game. When we released Star Fox, uh, it wasn't finished. We, there was so many things I wanted to fix and change and do kind of thing. So it was kind of you, you reluctantly release it most of the time. Um, who who came up with the idea for the the this giant slot machine? That secret slot machine that you unlock uh, by blasting through those oh, certain asteroids. I'm not I'm not sure actually. I'm not sure. I'll have to think about that. Maybe it was uh. Watanabe-san. Okay, yeah, that's always been one of those. I remember when I first discovered it, and I thought, "Well, this is, this is strange." Is I remember making wobbly, a mental note. Is that the one, yeah, one it, on the wobbly yeah. stage? Yeah, it's it's so weird and bizarre, and it's one of the reasons that I I, I just completely fell in love with that game. And I thought, you know, if I ever get the chance to talk to a developer, oh, there it is! Oh, Thank there Fred it is for for finding it. Yeah, um, that's uh, one of those cool oh, weird little yeah. things. And I yeah. think I think. I think Dylan programmed this actually. Okay. I think that was one of his. Because we all took I... uh, turns to make a, a boss. <laughs> it's one of the weirdest bosses in video gaming. So, uh, oh, <laughs> so, one so more at, at, that at that time, there was, uh, that was a big thing in Japan, you know, uh, pachinkos and slot machines. Now, now it's not really, but it was huge back then. Huge enough to make it into Star Fox. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the yeah. secret, in the secret, um, secret levels. My my one question, my last question, rather, is uh, what did you think initially of the characters that they came back with for for Star Fox? Uh, I thought they were maybe a little bit lame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know, not not. They didn't. They didn't strike me as being very cool, you know. Because mm. I grew up with sort of things like Star Wars and and like um, you know Blade Runner and stuff like that. Really cool sci-fi, and this this seemed very childish, you know. The, the characters. Sure. That. Was but it like a, a surprise a different to you? Sen different sensibilities, you know. The in Japan, the cute and uh, and that kind of stuff is is. Is not really regarded as childish, you know. In, in mm. Japan, adults read comics on the train and stuff like that. Um, right. In the West, you'd you'd be beaten up if you're an adult you know, <laughs> reading a comic. Um, so yeah, it's just a different, just a different mental uh, thing, isn't it? How far along were you in the development process when they when they brought these characters in? Like, did you sort of have an idea of like, oh, this is going to be you know sort of a gritty sci-fi adventure no i didn't think it was going to be gritty but i didn't know i didn't think it was going to involve sort of a, a rabbit and a frog and whatever <laughs> i don't think anybody did I, I think maybe halfway through that's when they sort of landed on that i think they went through a different 
few different iterations of characters. They just landed on the uh, the four the four things. They were based off each of the members in the, on the team. I think. Oh, really? Yeah. So the the frog was Yamada San. Falco was maybe uh, Imura. Didn't have to think about this. Yeah, I think I think they base the character they the 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 basic look of the characters off the a few of the people on the team at least. <laughs> That's really cool to to know about. Well, um, we are out of time. I'm sorry to say, but I wanted to know where can people find you uh, online or otherwise now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm on Twitter. I'm just Giles G I L E S on Twitter. Uh, we're always on Discord. You can get to the Discord. From, from Twitter, we also have two two high labs uh, on Twitter. Um, yeah, and we're on this either Twitter or Discord, basically. Okay. And do you have any big projects you wanted to sort of shout out right now? I can't uh, show you our big pro- project, but I can show you uh, Carl Junior on the play date. Okay. It's out now on the catalog. So I'm going to be loading up my play date immediately following this call. Well, Giles, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we really appreciate it. And as someone who was a teenager when Star Fox came out, like, great work. <laughs> you you, you entertained me quite a lot. I used to be probably well, glad, one glad of the best. Yeah, I, it was one of those games where I played to the point where I could do it almost with my eyes closed. And wow, not so much anymore. When was, it, when was the last time you played it? Uh, honestly, I played it on the, uh, the Nintendo Switch online service maybe maybe six months ago and i was able to oh, wow, complete okay. it and i was able to find the slot machine again and i was just amazed at myself for being able to remember all of that game it just it got cool. right underneath of me so cool. yeah that's cool thank you so much You're welcome uh we are going to be taking your questions in our next segment in an extended question block so please stay tuned we are back in the virtual studio. We're taking your questions. This is an extended question block because you asked for it. Also, we can pre-record it because it turns out we're all gonna be out uh, during this week. <laughs> anyway, so let's get right into the questions. Everyone from, uh, let's see, Dave La Rochelle, Ooh. which is French for the Rochelle, <laughs> asks, hey, Super Nintendos, with the current state of the economy and where it's probably heading in the next couple of years, Jeez, oh my gosh. There, <laughs> uh, do you believe, do you believe Nintendo has been accurate to focus on more affordable hardware and less expansive game development since the Wii area? Regards, Dave from Quebec City. First of all, Dave, thank you. Second of all, Quebec City is my favorite city uh, in the world. And if, if anyone is thinking of visiting a beautiful medieval French city that's not in Europe, go to Quebec City. It's très magnifique. Mm-hmm. But, um, Nintendo kind of always has focused on affordability, like all of the the processors that it used in the uh, in the Game Boy and the NES were really old by the time that those came out. So they were able to get them like for pennies on the dollar. And uh, same with the Super Nintendo. The Super Nintendo had uh, somebody somebody corrected me, and now I'm doubting myself. I'm pretty sure it had a Motorola sixty eight thousand processor in it, which is what. Who cares? Shut up. Yeah. So the answer to your question is, yeah, I, I think, I think, I mean, even with a switch, like the switch can't compete on power with even the, the, like the PlayStation four or, um, yeah. or the, the Xbox thing that nobody remembers. Well, it, I think, I think the, the more nuanced answer too is it wouldn't have been smart if it weren't for software. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. like Nintendo right. made the choice a long time ago to say, we're not going to try to give you the cutting edge, bleeding gr- edge graphics. Mm-hmm. Right. We can't, we're not doing that. They could, if they wanted to, they could make sure. a $600 console. They have money and talented people. Yeah. Easy. But they yeah. said, we're not going to do that. We're just going to let the games, we're going to make the games that are good enough without all that. And for the most part, they have, right. Nobody would look at breath of the wild and be like, that's an ugly game, right? That's a beautiful game. And, and they, they managed to back up, you know, this sort of lowering the bar hardware wise and just keeping the quality high software wise has totally worked out for them. And it has positioned themselves in a place where they are, but they aren't 
competing with Xbox and PlayStation. They are in a different sort right. of bracket in people's minds and a different place in the market, I think. And I think I think it has definitely worked out for them in that way. Yeah, I think some of that comes from their roots as a toy maker. Uh, like they are, mm -hmm. they don't style themselves as a video game maker, even though that is ostensibly what they are. Sure. Uh, they think of themselves as toy makers and they try to make toys, uh, which is why, I mean, people think of them as like, oh, it's the kids console. Well, it's the everyone console. It's the kids and adults all at the same time. Uh, and part of that does mean affordability, right? Because if you're trying to appeal not just to hardcore gamers, if you're really trying to appeal to everyone, then you have to make things that like a parent who doesn't have a whole ton of money could buy for their child. And if the child breaks it, it's not this massive economic loss to this mm. household or something that everyone can play together and feel comfortable with. There's not a bajillion settings on it that they don't understand or a steam deck where you have to do some sort of weird magic to get it to play things that are not necessarily on. Like, like there's a bunch of like all these other extra technical things that you have to do with a PlayStation and Xbox where Nintendo things are very specifically simple. And that does come with downsides, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that I wish I could do on my Nintendo systems that I absolutely cannot do, uh, like have a competent online experience in certain games uh, for mm, that reason. Sure. But it does keep the cost down. And so I think, I, I don't I don't know that they necessarily went into this thinking, oh, this will be great when the economy is bad. But it's a decision yeah. that certainly worked in their favor, uh, with especially well, if you look at I was going to say, it'll, gone. Sheesh. Yeah, it'll serve them well if, you know, the economy does, because it's like, well, I could buy my son a, a $600 console or $500 console, yeah. or I could buy them, you know, this switch that is still $300. Yeah. It, it's a, it'll be 200 for the light. It'll be interesting to see how that plays That's out true. in the next couple of years. If we do indeed get, I mean, we will eventually get another new hardware from Nintendo, whether that is a switch yeah. to, or some other thing. Right. It's, you know, not this year, probably not next year, but it's not, it's not going to be that far away. And I wonder how they are going to be thinking about the economy in terms of pricing that. Mm, that is the one that's going to make people real mad. They said the Tears of Kingdom is going to be case-by-case -case basis. I mean, it's the biggest Switch game ever. 18.6 gigabytes, which, by the way, every time I start up Call of Duty, there's a bigger oh shader gosh, update yeah. than that. <laughs> like, But still. Um, so, yeah, I think... Nintendo it doesn't think of uh, trying to head off economic downturns. They just try to make a console that's good enough. And I think they do a great job of that because like you said, Reb, it's like, it's the software, it's the games. It's, it's the yeah. games that make Nintendo I, important. I, I also, I also really like this kind of weird kind of moment we're in where like, we might've had a new hardware by now if we hadn't had the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, mm. But like, it is kind of a weird moment to be in where it's like, okay, the Switch is six years old now, but it's still going strong. And it's it's kind of nice. As much as I want a Switch Pro or Switch 2, it is nice to just only have the Switch. There's no, like, new Switch 3DS XL, yeah. Switch <laughs> I, you know? Like, it's just very much, like, one a friend I'm like that I was talking to, like, doesn't have a Switch. I'm like, should I get a Switch? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. There's, we don't know when they're, like, this is, there's, there's, it always seems to be, like, there's no wrong time to get a switch and i feel like that's kind of like a rare kind of thing where it's just like yeah we're about to get like the sequel to the biggest game ever this is yeah. the best time to get a switch and it's i can appreciate this kind of weird like i feel like even like a year or two ago i was just like no we've got to get the pro it's got to come out this year and now i'm just like you know what maybe it's fine will it's i get the zelda switch oled that they might announce this year Yes. Mm. And then will I get the pro whatever when it comes out a month later? Yes. Mm. <laughs> yep. Um, but uh, it, it is, it is, it is, not, I'm very poor. I can't do either of those. Uh, but uh, it is, it is, it is nice to like kind of like be in this like, it's so easy to recommend. It's like, yeah, get a Switch Live for $1.99, yeah. get a Switch and just get a gift card and get so many great indie games. Like, it's so easy. If yep. I told you my running theory about like what happened with the, the Switch, the, the supposed Switch Pro we were supposed to get. Supposed Switch Pro? Yeah. No. What's up? Let's hear it. Uh, okay, so Let's quick disclaimer on this gaming leaks and rumors subreddit. This is not reporting. I don't know anything. This is pure speculation just based on looking at publicly available info. I 
feel like they probably had a Switch Pro in the works, like it was a real thing. Um, like Mochizuki is a really good reporter. Uh, I, I fully buy into the things that he was reporting were happening. What I suspect happened is the combination of the pandemic and the chip shortage and then seeing all those Switch sales and everything just sort of piled on top of one another. And the OLED was sort of the compromise. Like they realized they, one, didn't mm. have to release a Switch Pro and two, probably shouldn't, uh, again, given the chip shortage and everything that was going on uh, and the economy and all of these other things. And so they they went with the OLED as sort of a compromise to the Switch Pro. And at this point in the Switch's life cycle, it would be ridiculous to just release another small upgrade for the Switch uh, that was like another step above the OLED. And so at this point, I suspect they're putting all the resources into whatever the next gen is going to be. That's my my big galaxy brain theory about what happened there. I think that's a hundred percent reasonable and i think you're probably right i mean we'll never know nintendo's is like a secret company and <laughs> we'll, we'll never we know but like know. yeah like it would have been it would have been devastating to nintendo to have released a, a switch pro or a switch 2 and not be able to get it into people's hands like we we're finally now oh my god two years over two years since the xbox and the playstation 5 now you can order one on amazon and get it the next day that never happened in the two years until like two weeks ago. Yeah. That you could just go onto Amazon and buy a PlayStation 5. And if that, like, that just would have not worked for Nintendo. And imagine so, putting yeah, like I, all that R&D money into developing like a like a mid a mid-gen console and then not being physically able to sell it and then having yeah. to then also on top of that develop another next-gen thing to come out a few years later and having to put more R&D yeah. money into that. They could just fold whatever they did for this Switch upgrade into whatever they're doing next. Easy. Yeah. I mean, it's not so, it's not that easy, but so oh. there there it is. You've yeah. just confirmed it's going to be a foldable design. It's going to be a clamshell. <laughs> We're going back to the 3DS, baby. <laughs> Hell yeah, that's what we that's what we all really want. I'm uh, down. That actually uh, talking about recommending to buy a Switch. Jane Dowley asks for new Switch buyers. What would be your top five essential games that you would tell them to buy? Also, Shane says some really nice stuff. P.S. You are my favorite video game podcast. Love you all. Aww. And this show was a big factor in me deciding to finally buy a Switch. Love from your Irish fan base. Fan base, uh, Shane Daly. So well, nice. uh, Tomega Magamagra, uh, I think that's how you're supposed to greet people in Ireland. I can't remember. My, my Gaelic-speaking friend told me that. But So I'm interested to hear what your top five essential games are. I mean, I... I already know what what mine are. I mean, so there's some like, there's you, some easy ones, right? Fate. Like obviously, we're all going yeah. to say Breath of the Wild. Is anyone here not Breath going to say Breath of the Wild? I will all, bite you. We're all going to say Breath of the Wild. We're all going to say Mario Kart. Yes. We're probably yes. all going to say Smash Bros. <sighs> well, is that no? I don't know if that's an. I don't know that's an essential. I think that's a a good one to have, but I don't know if I would call Smash Brothers an essential Switch game. Not anymore. Yeah, I would do Super Mario Odyssey before Smash. Odyssey for sure. Okay. Yeah. For sure. I think the problem is that now that the updates on Smash are done, like unless, unless you have friends that are coming over all the time or are in the fighting game community, you're probably not still playing a lot of Smash, right? Yeah. But also it is like one of the best party fighting games ever made. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like look, it's, 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 it's a super <laughs> yeah. game. But I, I don't know if I would, if I would call it uh, essential. Um, also, the, the person in the comments who's saying that Breath of the Wild is trash and overrated, <laughs> you're definitely the smartest and coolest person in every room <laughs> oh that you walk into. And <laughs> we all know that by your great opinion. Yeah, so I, I think I, five, five rooms a, leaves a lot of room for debate. Three, I think, is well. Pretty, that's pretty locked in. Yeah, with those three. Yeah, honestly, right? well, I'm interested then to Zelda. hear what your sort of like your your next two are mm. after like. Oh, this is like because I'm gonna I'm hard. gonna go ahead and I'm gonna say if you bought a Switch, you should absolutely get the Switch edition of Minecraft because mm. it is so fun to play minecraft on the switch hand of tom you look like completely I'm not just, in agreement i'm just with gonna that. very politely ask this question because you're entitled to your opinion and it's totally fair <laughs> you're gonna recommend a game that is on so many platforms you can probably play it on smart fridges yes okay i'm going to recommend minecraft for switch <laughs> because it is a delight on the nintendo <laughs> Switch. interesting it is, i i respect it because minecraft is a phenomenal game and the switch version i haven't played specifically but ever. yeah but that's that's uh, yeah okay okay it is surprisingly fun it's like i don't i can't explain it but playing it in handheld is just like it's 
it adds an extra layer fair of enough. just like good goodness. Fair enough, fair it. enough. So yeah, and it's also it's like thirty bucks. So the problem is I feel like very compelled to recommend exclusives for exactly the reason that you're right. saying, right? Yeah, and there's yeah, like yeah. there's many mm. games that I think are best on the Switch. Like Hollow Knight is like a prime example of a game that is spectacular great on everything, spectacular on the Switch. Yeah. Um mm. is it is it like can I recommend Ring Fit Adventure? Is that a reasonable recommendation? Yeah, why couldn't you? Of course. I think there is nothing quite like it anywhere else no. like not even just in terms of it's exclusive to switch but there is absolutely no other game out there like it uh and it is the kind of game that i think anybody could pick up and play and enjoy even if they are not a big gamer and actually for that same reason my fifth one would be animal crossing new horizons mm. oh mm. yeah There's animal crossing is a very good one too um i don't i don't know if i would personally consider that essential but mm. um i could see I think it's like a case by case basis. You hate I would you hate that fun. To some I got people. it. <laughs> fun is the worst. I I do love I do love Animal Crossing. I feel like everyone should should play that. At least know what it is cuz like my coworker Ben had never played it before New Horizons and he was like, "So you just do chores?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. great." Yeah. It's my um, favorite thing to do during uh, the pandemic. <laughs> I don't know if I would maybe <laughs> I don't know if I would slot this in for a fifth, and I don't know, Seth, correct me if I'm cheating here, but uh, I would say pay the $50 and get the expansion pass online because that's oh, a great... That's really good. That's a great suggestion. That's you have, smart, hundred, you have like... At, I'm, I'm just going to throw out an incorrect number, but like <laughs> you have at least like 30, 40, 50 games right out of the game. That's got to be Especially right. Especially with the Game Boy Advance. There's at least oh 1,000 games. I yeah. believe. Is that real? Is that true? Uh, Are you making not. a joke? <laughs> I'm making <laughs> yeah. Be that, I thought I was like all I was like, I'll use the number that seems highly improbable. Oh, okay, okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna say there's at least ten, which is that's that true, is true, but that is true. somewhere between underselling 10 and it. 1, I could name ten <laughs> off the cuff. I could name ten. Right. But no, just I the idea that you could for for uh Shane, pay the fifty dollars and you'll get immediate access to Legend of Zelda Arcade of Time, Legend of Zelda Minish Cap, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Like, you're getting all the original Super Mario Brothers games right off the bat. If you missed all the early Nintendo stuff, it's just right there. And then there's the Nintendo's adding them over time. It's the best 50 bucks you can spend, honestly. And if you have friends, you can split it with the family plan. Mm -hmm. I wish I had friends, but uh, no, I think that's a, a perfectly apt um suggestion especially yeah. because you know up until the direct when they added the gba and the, and the game boy games i was a, a champion of i wasn't a champion i was just like yeah i have it because i want it but now that they have added those two platforms i feel like it's actually it's amazing now like it's just where it should be and it's only going to grow they're only going to keep adding um game boy games game boy advanced games cold sun mm -hmm, what's up mm -hmm. looking at you Eventually, yeah. we're gonna get Donkey Kong sixty four. One of these days, on there. Yes. I want to believe they've, yes. they've, uh, yeah. they've, you know, they've pretty much stopped adding Nintendo and Super Nintendo and Genesis games, which is a huge bummer because there's a lot of really great games out there. But you know, those all seem to just come out in collections anyway. But yeah, I think, I think the the, the Nintendo Switch Online that you know, I would almost look. I'm gonna I'm gonna be even more controversial. I'm gonna say if you only had the choice to do one, I would get switch online with the expansion just because no. of all the old games that are on there. No, yeah. you get Breath, that's, well, I'm, that's Breath, Breath of the Wild. That's a hot take. I'm also very old. all of that love together. I'm so sorry. Okay, you know what? You're, you, okay. you just play Breath of the Wild on Wii U. That's true. <laughs> that is the, yeah. the original way. It was the original yeah, way. Don't you have your Wii U? <laughs> I will. So, so I think my final two would be Smash and Animal Crossing, but I would do an honorable mention if... if people aren't into smash but still want a party fighting game towerfall tower Ooh. towerfall still is one of the best party games ever mm -hmm. and on switch it specifically has a six player mode where yes. on pc you have to like buy an eight player mode like dlc yeah. thing off of itch.io it's like kind of silly but on on switch mm -hmm. they added the widescreen in the six player mode and that game holds up still amazing still great single player time trial stuff towerfall is the best okay i should play it sweet yeah I, I i i forgot another another great uh shane if you're still listening the expansion <laughs> pass when we when you are buying mario kart which is in our agreed 
I don't know why nope. I assumed he stopped listening halfway through <laughs> our recommendations. Uh, if, Shane, you're still with me, please. Um, uh, uh, you're going to get Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and with that expansion pass online, you will immediately get 48 more tracks Yeah, just yeah. right away. Not yep. Well, the 48 by the end of 2023, but you'll get a lot of... All the DLC over the big games like Animal Crossing Splatoon is also included. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm going to join Seth in his hot take that if you only had one game to buy, which, by the way, it's a $50 game per year, kind of. You're kind of always paying forever, so actually it is more expensive. Uh, Breath of the Wild and Expansion Online, you're good to go. And Mario Kart. If you only have, right, if you only have one game to buy and you buy the, and you buy the expansion pass, you can't do anything with the Mario Kart DLC because you don't have Mario <laughs> Kart. What are you doing? <laughs> Oh god. Why would you go to your it? local yeah. Go to your local Kmart, open up a layaway account, put Mario My Kart on layaway. Kmart? Clearly clearly you yep. have Mario Kart $3 you're, a month. you're buying it bundled with a Switch, which is the only way to buy Switch. The only Black Friday deal there ever is. Yes. And ever will be. So Alright, uh, I hope I hope that helps out, Shane. But yeah, I think I think those are all like super good. In fact, just buy all of the games that we just said. Um this is uh, kind of for you, Tom. Zachary McDaniel asks, has it been decided who will review Tears of the Kingdom? And I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask Tom. Has it been decided? It's a yes or no question. No. Mm. Okay, so uh, next question. I can, uh, I, can, I can go into a little more detail with this. Usually, generally, we don't... We, we assign some things this far out, but a lot, there's a lot of interest in this game. It, we don't know when we're getting it. Just to be clear, I'm, I don't know anything, right, in ter- beyond the release date of the game right yeah. now. In yes, that way. I want to point out, like, it's a common misconception that we have, like, all this insider knowledge, yeah. no. and we mostly don't know anything. Yeah, yeah, we, we don't know when we're going <laughs> to get idiot. it. We don't know what the embargo will be. We don't know how much time we'll have to play. We don't know any of that, right, um, at this point. And there's a lot of people on staff who are interested in reviewing it, and yeah. we got to see how schedules line up with that sort of stuff in an ideal world with big sequels like this we generally try to or not it's not a hard and fast rule but we like having people who reviewed the first one come back to review the second one that's why jose otero who Uh, is no longer at i went and worked for nintendo so well i don't think he's allowed (laughs) that's not happening (laughs) so the floor is a little more open um and and again that's not like a hard and fast rule by any means um so yeah we're we're still looking i'm considering trying to you know whether i would want to review it i think it's a big question of like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of pressure on that review it's an enormous review Mm -hmm. i played the original breath of the wild i played over like eight months on the train taking my time because i was working at pc gamer at the time so i didn't need to cover it in any capacity and so like playing it for review is a very different sort of way to experience a game like that so there's there's a lot of questions but the short answer is no we haven't decided yet i reviewed the first one and i don't want to sign up to review the second one. (laughs) yeah oh oh and a follow-up of that um we won't tell you <laughs> uh, beforehand who is going to review it because we have a policy where we always keep our reviewer secret until we absolutely have like review copies in hand because we very intentionally don't want developers to be able to influence who like who is reviewing it on our side we don't want them to be like oh we heard this person is reviewing the game well maybe we don't have code for you which has never happened right like it's it's not a thing that like at least in my time at ign it is not a thing that like we worry about it's just a precaution we take to kind of really make sure there's there's separation there yeah okay jeffrey have you reviewed any games in your time here I have not. I um I have reviewed a movie, uh, which it was a movie based on a game, which was uh, the twenty twenty one movie Uncharted. Is that no twenty twenty two? Oh yeah, uh, mm. it came out last year with Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. Oh, no. uh, I did review that. Um, it's a very fun hey. process because it was my first review, and uh, it was very fun working with uh with with Dan and and uh and and Alex Stedman. Uh, yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, it is scary though. I, I feel like as someone who works on the social team where we're kind of um, excited about a lot of things, it, it was a real challenge to look at something critically. Uh, and I learned is, yeah. so much from everyone I worked with uh, on it. I have written some game previews and, and, and Tom, uh, Tom has helped me with some of those and they're very nice. fun. It is just very fun to just play a game and be like, wow, this is shaping up nicely. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, you get to be a lot more but, general uh, with, with previews. Right, which I think yes. in that for me, previews are much easier, and I am in awe of every review that IGN does, and I do not 
I would never throw my name in for Tears of the Kingdom. I want to play that for eight months <laughs> yeah. at a time Same. on a train right. to my job Slow at PC burn. Gamer. It's funny yeah. that you bring that up because I have been kind of wrestling with this for a long time. Like on the one hand, like, yeah, I, I don't think that I want to review Tears of the Kingdom just because I want to be able to savor it. Mm-hmm. Like I want to like roll it around in my mouth like it's a delicious piece of Wagyu beef. <laughs> just have it melt and all the juices dry aged. it's been dry aged for what two years now that's pretty pretty incredible but on the other hand um i love attention yeah. and i know <laughs> yeah. that will be the biggest review on ign probably ever because breath of the wild was the biggest review actually no excuse me breath of the wild review was the biggest article on ign ever at the time like, whoa period. no like period like has it not been surpassed since then it's the most trafficked like just anything Hmm. on ign ever uh you know what number two is seth macy's playstation 5 pre-order guy Uh, what's up (laughs) shout out um so yeah uh i am uh like uh, i remember when we had dan record on he was talking about when he reviewed breath of the wild and he like got to a point where he's like i i think he's like i think this is like the best game Mm -hmm. that i've ever played and that is a magical feeling like i had that when I was playing Flight Simulator, I was like, oh, I, I think this is a, a like a 10. I, I've, I'm playing a 10 right now. Like yeah. This is a masterpiece. And I kind of want that feeling. But at the same time, I just got off the Octopath 2 review and it consumed all of my free time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just it's a process. I, I, I don't know. It is. it is. It is a super process. Like people don't really understand how much work goes into like not only do you have to play it, but you have to be sort of thinking like, while you're playing is this working you're taking notes What's not working yeah. what do i like and you know dan and tom are not like kind when they when they edit your stuff <laughs> they they're quite are. they don't pull they're punches, quite but they're nice people no they don't put, no not, i don't no they're not mean i i like to think we're not jerks about it they're but we are jerks. not afraid no, of no, the no, red no. pen either no no i love it it's it's extreme like um, the reviews that i started writing compared to the reviews that i write now like mm-hmm. i know what you guys are looking for. And I, I feel like I do a much better job of answering the questions. And, you know, I didn't even realize I wasn't that good at writing reviews until I wrote a review and then had Dan yeah. like send it back. And he's like, why do you think this, how does this, why are you t- telling me the story? Like all this stuff. Also control F the game before uh-huh. you hand it in because uh, Dan will m- murder you. Yeah. Actually <laughs> I've been murdered twice now, but thankfully I was brought back to life. Uh, 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 PCM2F Chris at gmail.com asks, What's the last and next game you bought at midnight at a store? I never bought a game at midnight. I was going to stand in line for oh. PS2, but I decided not. I, ha- I actually have What's an up? answer for this. I, I did this so rarely, but I went to the midnight launch of, was it the new Nintendo 3DS that came yes. like with, with kind of like Ocarina of Time? I think like Majora's Mask as well, like, like remakes of them. I don't remember if they're... It was something like that. I think it, I think it was Majora's Mask. I think I went and got. I was. I remember being at this midnight launch, and I remember it very specifically because you, in order to transfer your profile from one system to another, you had to have the system there with you, and there was no like. Oh, that's there right. There was no way to do like if you wanted to trade in your old 3ds, there wasn't yes. a way to do this. So the GameStop employees had to like transfer all your data for well, you was, in addition but there were so like, many people in the store so basically what they did is if you wanted to trade it in you had to buy it outright they gave you like a little slip of paper or something and you had to stay in the store you couldn't leave the store and just sit there and transfer your stuff in the store so there were a bunch of us who had bought these things we were scattered all over the floor of this GameStop while the line was going through to buy these new things little getting our carrying data files hurriedly from one yeah, <laughs> waiting for them to get done and then taking our slip of paper and our old system and back up to get a refund on the trade-in value. Wow. <laughs> it was a silly experience. <laughs> I didn't do Man, it again. Those, those days are gone. <laughs> Jeffrey, did you ever stand in line to buy a game at midnight? Yeah, I um the the last one I did was uh for uh The Last of Us Part Two, uh Ellie hmm. Edition. I was very excited about oh, that. Oh wow. It was, al- it was also during the it was it was that was at the height of the uh pandemic. Um and so it was kind of extra scary, you know, obviously mm. masked up and, you know, kind of crazy ready marketing. to stand in line to buy a game about a pandemic. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. But I will say my uh, my favorite memory is uh, from midnight 
uh, in 2008, I in when I lived in Georgia, I stood in line at midnight for. I, I will say also in in when I said The Last of Us, I feel like I'm kind of cheating in California because they do it at 9 p.m. here, like 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight <laughs> Eastern. Oh, yeah. Um, so it doesn't really. It's like it's like oh well, we're getting it all at the same time. But uh, in 2008, I I stood in line for Super Smash Brothers Melee for. Oh, sorry, Brawl for uh, Wii for Nintendo Wii. Um, and they had a they had a they let everyone in early and we had a competition and they just had the game. And so I played the game like two hours before it was supposed to launch. And, but it was yeah. with like the Wii remote, like sideways, <laughs> like the worst way to play oh, Brawl. Yeah, um, and uh, the winner got the copy for free and I was eliminated so fast, but I was <laughs> never, I, I, I was so excited to buy this like $50 game. I like have a picture of me holding it, which is very long hair in Aww. high school and just like nice. playing uh, Brawl. But uh, yeah, it, it's weird. Like I feel like midnight stuff isn't as popular these days anymore. Because you can with, just like, download it. Yeah. yeah get exactly. to but, uh, your door. Gosh, yeah. It was a whole thing back, in, back in the day. But Tom, good. did you ever... The only Stand the last line. time I remember going to a midnight I, I did a lot of midnight movie things. The only midnight like game thing I remember doing was the Wii, like the just the Wii proper. Um, and okay. then I did <laughs> the last time I probably went like early before a store opened to buy a thing was the Golden Zelda 3DS Ooh, that had a Triforce oh. on the back of it. And then between worlds, a very collectible one. And then. Uh, I remember getting there early, like a couple hours before the store opened, and there was a line. And then the store opened, and they started letting people in, and no one was in line for the 3DS. They were all in line for some other game that came out the same day. Oh, wow. And I just walked up and bought one, and it was fine. <laughs> like, it, it was like a very, like, oh, I didn't need to do this <laughs> at all sort of moment for me. Yeah. Uh, that is all the time we have left before we go. I have a few favors to ask. If you're watching us on YouTube, leave us a like and a nice comment. If you're listening to us on a podcast application, please leave us a review. Helps us spread the good NVC word. We will be forever in your debt. I want to thank the panel for answering everyone's questions. I want to thank everyone. There were so many questions, like <laughs> the most questions that we've ever gotten. So I'm sorry that we didn't get to answer all like 100 questions. But uh, I want to thank Red on the ones and twos. And most of all, I want to thank you for listening. The audience, we love you. You're the best. We wouldn't be here without you. Uh, and remember, NBC is the only podcast where you can. Get the thing. Get the thing.